world is changing and it's changing fast. Information is everywhere and accessible 24-7. In Atascopco, we have fantastic communication possibilities. But how do you actually capture a bigger audience and make it a bit more personal? We say that we want to be the most attractive industrial company in our target markets. To make that happen, we will need to make sure that we safeguard our strong values and culture and enable the full potential of our people so they can deliver world-class solutions to our customers every day. With this in mind, and the fact that we believe that passionate people create exceptional things, we wanted to explore a new channel to deep dive into different areas within people management. That is why we're now launching our People podcast. So for all of you with a passion for people, please join us. Well, most welcome all of you to our first People podcast. Uh, my name is Cecilia Sandberg, Head of HR for the Atlas Coco Group. And today I brought one of my team members with me, Dorna Shafei, Head of Talent. Hi, everyone. Welcome, Dorna. Thank you. <laughs> the topic for our very first People podcast will take a deep dive into the area of talent. What is talent all about? Is it overrated? And what wins? Natural talent or passion and drive? Or is it actually a combination? So Dorna, most welcome uh, to kick this off and take the research perspective as a starting point. Is there a definition what talent is all about, actually? Well, thank you so much. Uh, well, there are different research fields that touch on the topic of talent, uh, including human resource management, learning theory, and developmental psychology. And researchers that have consolidated the literature here stress that the concept of talent requires several key considerations. So, for example, what or whom is talent? Are we referring to competencies or a person? Uh, is talent born or developed? Does talent look different in different contexts, or is it constant over time? And then finally, will you find talent in a small pool of people or in all of us? So how organizations choose to respond to these questions and define talent obviously has major implications for their talent management practices. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Could you tell us a bit more about the different types of practices out there? Sure, absolutely. So research refers to four broad types of talent management practices being conducted across organizations today. That would be humanistic, competitive, elitistic, and entrepreneurial talent management. And a conclusion from research findings is that best fit beats best practice. So there is, in other words, no type that is better than the other. There are few strong correlations with industry. Rather, the match with organizational culture seems to be the most crucial one. So one organization can, of course, have strains of several approaches, although one tends to be dominating. So let me give you a bit more context for each of them, and then I would love to hear your thoughts, Cecilia, on which one of these types, in your opinion, apply to Atlas Copco. Oh, now you have my attention. I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So in humanistic talent management, the core belief is that everyone has talent, and talent is grown through working with what motivates you and what makes you tick. So it's an inclusive way of looking at talent, and there is a belief that talent depends on the context that you're in, the role that you have, and the situation. So key talent management practices for organizations with a humanistic approach to talent is naturally development. 
Competitive talent management, on the other hand, is is based on the belief that there is only a few people with talent. So talent is seen as scarce and there is a war for talent. Talent is also seen as born and not contextually dependent. And key practices here will then be to identify those lucky few. Mm. Well, that is indeed two very different views on talent management. But you said there are two more types, right? Right, yes. So the third approach would be elitistic talent management, where you take it one step further. So yes, few people have talent is still the belief. Uh, And these are seen as the creme de la creme. So people need to be, these people need to be nurtured and looked after. Uh, And selective recruitment practices to hire the best of the best naturally becomes the key practice in these organizations. Last but not least, we have the entrepreneurial approach to talent management, where the core belief is that we all have the possibility to become a talent if we have the right motivation and drive. So there's a strong focus on resilience and grit as key components of potential here. And this is also seen as an inclusive view on talent, although not saying that everyone has talent, rather that everyone has the potential to become a talent with the right drivers. So key talent management practices here will be career development. So now to the big question, what in your opinion applies best to Atlas Copco and and why? Mm, Thank you so much. Now we got research on the table. So what is applicable for us? It's always difficult to apply one approach, since I believe there might be parts of each practice that would be applicable, actually. Mm. However, I do believe that one that speaks the most for us is the entrepreneurial one. We believe that we all have the possibility to become a talent if we have the right drive and motivation. We also have a very strong culture of everyone having the opportunity to put an idea on the table and the possibility to make the idea come to life. The leading practice in the entrepreneurial talent management spells career development. Mm. And I believe with our internal job market, we're all given the opportunity to develop and explore further. And that is core in our culture. Absolutely. I fully agree with you. So should we explore further around talent or natural talent with or without passion and drive? Can you rely on natural talent only or do you also need that passion and drive? Well, I mean, you probably need both. And then we need to go back to the fundamental definition of natural talent. What is that? And is there something as natural talent even? Uh, It's also important to ask the question, talent for what? Talent for leadership? Talent for deep expertise? So aligning on the answers to these questions will be very important in any organization working with talent management. Mm. Let us relate the thinking of natural talent to the to an athlete for a while. Um, I do believe we can all agree on that. It all starts with a natural talent, but is that really all? It is also hours of practice, right? Practice Mm. and more practice. And is it not also about that passion and love? So much you can't let it go and you need to come back to it over and over again. Mm. You just love what you do. I mean, if we relate to thinking outside the world of sports, I believe we have all met those passionate people, right? It could be in a store, in a school, or in a hospital. And realizing how good they are at their jobs, you can really tell how much they enjoy what they do. So maybe that is how it all starts, that you really enjoy what you do. Mm. I mean, it might be as simple as that, really. But then comes the question, how important is hard work and commitment? What do you think? 
I mean, commitment and motivation is, in my opinion, the the fundamental building blocks for demonstrating your talent, whatever talent that may be. So you may be a brilliant mind and a specialist in, in what you do, so a true talent and in that sense, and you have no motivation to become a leader. So if we only have one way of showing you appreciation for your talent, being a promotion to leadership in this case, then we're doing both you and the organization a disfavor. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. So let us explore the power of passion a bit further. Mm-hmm. What do you think? How important is optimism for passion and drive? Is optimism a personal trait that you're born with or can it actually be taught? So optimism is is more a trait than a skill and therefore less dependent on external context and more difficult to develop naturally. But that said, the the growth mindset is something you can develop. So choosing how you would like to approach each and every situation with an open or a closed mindset, so with a positive or a negative outlook to the world, does really have an impact. Hmm. Let me try and hypothesis now. Uh, if you have a more positive outlook to the world and the mindset that for every situation you face, you choose to have an open mindset, could we then say that this group of people will also be more likely to step out of their comfort zone to learn new things? Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a lot of research conducted in this area, and, and time after time, it has been proven that the single most important criteria for predicting potential is learning agility. And in our times of constant change and disruption, people who have the willingness and the ability to try new things, face ambiguity and uncertainty, and learn from their experiences are really the ones that will lead the way and bring the rest of us along. So what we're actually saying is that potential is one thing and what you do with it is is another thing. Hmm. So how many times have you not met people with a fantastic talent and potential but no motivation to use it? It strikes me every time that given a talent does not always mean that you will do something with it, right? Hmm. Without that passion and dedication, your talent will never flourish. I absolutely agree and I've seen many cases of untapped potential in my professional career. Mm. And then I wonder how important is purpose? Would a strong purpose motivate us to use all that potential? What do you think? I mean, there's, of course, a strong link between motivation and having a purpose and clear sense of direction. So knowing why you're doing something, having that bigger picture in mind, will help you bring that potential out and go the extra mile, of course, if that purpose is aligned with your personal values and beliefs. Mm. If we then relate that to our surrounding and our culture and the importance to create a safe place to fail and learn and fail and learn again, I wonder sometimes if it is the individual, him or herself, and the fear of failure that makes us give up so easily, or is it the workplace? If we quit too fast, what have we then learned? And how are we going to add new skills if we don't practice? However, with that said, you need to train how to train. And to be able to do that, you need a foundation to stand on. So how important is the culture around you then? Let me have your input around this. I mean, culture is everything here. The the environment you build for others to experiment and, and learn, to your point, is is crucial, taking us back to the importance of having leaders who actively and explicitly promote a continuous learning culture. I totally agree. There is a power in the importance of leadership enabling all employees to thrive and grow and explore the talent to the fullest. 
I believe we're facing an interesting, very challenging leadership mm. task going forward. We will have five generations in one team and moving away from a strict hierarchical way of leading and entering into this cross-functional agile teams working together. So what do you see will be required from our leaders in the future? I mean, I believe it all starts with self-awareness. So how well you know yourself and in how you can build and develop a team that compensate for your own shortcomings. I mean, no matter how brilliant we are, we're always better together. Uh, it, it sounds like a cliche, I know, but I mean, it, it's it's true. It's true. Uh, and as a leader, you you need to realize that. So compassion and emotional intelligence would be two additional skills that are no longer nice to have, but need to have really, if you want to bring people along, not just because you told them to, but because they chose to. And finally, I would say that leaders with a growth mindset, so leaders who actively promote a learning culture for their employees to spark that curiosity and that creativity is what we need to nurture and develop in our leaders. Mm -hmm. So we're getting closer to the end. Already? Yeah, already. (laughs) (laughs) We started out asking us, what is talent all about? Is it overrated? And what wins? Natural talent or passion and drive? Or is it actually a combination? So now I'm going to give you the big question. Who wins at the end? The one with the most talent or the one with the most drive and motivation? Mm, I mean, a big question indeed. Um, with my, my strong belief here is that with with natural talent alone, you will go fast. Uh, if you want to go far, however, you need to go together. And in order to do that, you need both the compassion, the motivation and drive, as well as the resilience in the face of, of obstacles and failures. Mm. So true. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, talking about one of our joint passions in life, Dorna, right? Talent management. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us. All the best and take care. <laughs>